0: Thank you, Lord. So, anyway, I got a word this morning for you guys, and uh, this word, I believe, is going to help us as a body, and, um, you know, th- this is something that the Lord dealt with me on a while ago, and how, I'll, I'll just share how it played out. I, uh, I I was actually, back when I first started walking with the Lord, when I was 21, it was about 10 years ago, I, I had this radical conversion where I was by myself, I had no... Other believers around me i was I was the only believer that i that I knew for a good while, and uh, and what happened was I had this encounter with God where he became real to me, and I wanted to live for him and i didn 't care about anybody else, anything else and i didn 't even start going to church for probably a year or two after this this uh, radical conversion that I had, and i didn 't have any new believer friends at all either this whole time, and uh, the Lord began to change me. This whole time that I'm walking with him, where all this junk that I was living in, which I was doing a bunch of dumb stuff at the time that he found me, man, I was, I was, I was dealing drugs, doing drugs, I was messed up, and, and that's just to name a few. Anyway, he radically changes me. I stopped doing all those things almost instantly, and uh, then he begins to weed a lot of the junk out of my life, and one of those things happens to be uh, I, had a, I had a filthy mouth. I would cuss like a sailor. I would uh, not hold back for anybody. And uh, and so there's this issue that I was having where I would say those things, and then on the inside, I've, it felt like there was something wrong with that. Like, I, that that didn't seem right. But yet, even though I wanted to listen to that, even though I wanted to obey that, yeah, that, that's, not, that's not healthy, that's not good for me. I kept doing it over and over and over and over and over again, and one th- one night I was praying and I was saying, God, what's going on? Like this this on the inside, it doesn't feel right when I do this. Obviously, it's obviously you don't want me to because He had showed me how how He was leading me out of things by just making them feel like, eh, that was that wasn't right, and uh, but yet I kept stumbling back in it over and over and over and over again, and He said to me, He said. Well, it's because of the people you're hanging out with. They, they they talk like that, so you just do the same thing. And at that point, I was like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, <laughs> do I, you know, and, and so what I intentionally started doing was seeking different relationships, seeking different friendships that, of people who weren't talking like that, of people who weren't doing the dumb things that I got set free of. And, uh, and then that... That really started the path of me cleaning up even more things in my life. And so um, what I'm about to show you is a video. It's about three, a little over three minutes long. And I'm just going to give you an introduction to the video real fast. It's a it's from an episode of Brain Games, if you've ever... If you've ever seen that show, it's on National Geographic. It's an awesome show. I love it. Anyway, uh, it just goes into a bunch of the things of like how your brain works, how it functions, how God designed us really is, is what they're, they're talking about. And this, this episode totally confirmed to me exactly what God had spoke to me years ago. I saw this episode about a, a year, year and a half ago, and it totally like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what God said to me. And so anyway... Um, the, to give you an introduction, um, there, this lady, she is called in for a free eye exam at an at a, at a eye doctor, and she's sitting with a bunch of people who are actors, and so she's, she's, she's not in on it, everyone else is, and we'll, we'll cue it with that
1: answer that question,
0: we set up a hidden camera
1: experiment to see if this woman would stand up at the sound of this tone, simply because everyone else is. You might be thinking you'd never go along with this, or would you? After just three beats, and without knowing why she's doing it, this woman is now conforming perfectly to the group. but what happens if we take the group away? Elaine, please. Now she's alone, the crowd is gone, and nobody is watching her, except our hidden cameras. What do you think she'll do? She's now conforming to the rules of the group without them even being there. Now watch what happens when we introduce another outsider who doesn't know the rules. Have a seat, and they'll be out in just a couple minutes. Thanks so much. Think she'll teach the new guy what to do? We kept the cameras rolling as more unsuspecting patients arrived. surely what began as a random rule for this woman has now become the social norm for everyone in this waiting room here to explain what's going on in their brains is jonah berger of the university of pennsylvania This sort of internalized form of herd behavior is part of what we call social learning. Starting at a very early age, when we see members of our group perform a task, our brains literally reward us for following in their footsteps.
0: When I saw everybody stand up, I felt like I needed to join them, otherwise I'm like excluded. Once I decided to go with it, then I felt much more comfortable.
1: Conformity is how we become socialized, but it can also cause us to develop bad habits or repeat past wrongs. And it's why even this rebel, who wasn't standing for any of this nonsense, eventually joined the ranks. And the only thing more shocking than seeing how easily conformity affects the way you act is that similar forces are subconsciously shaping the way you think right now.
0: end of it all right so anyway i saw i saw this video and i was like that's exactly what the lord said he said i was i was continuing that behavior because i was surrounded by people who were and it was, it was just a pressure from the outside that was causing me to do those things even though i knew that they were wrong and so um, anyway i love this kind of stuff i love social experiments um i've done them I've done them with the kids multiple times. <laughs> I, get, I get them three times every Sunday. I get three different groups, so I can do sorts of cool experiments in there. Uh, <laughs> and they're great, too. And you really get raw data with kids. Anyway, um, one, this was probably a few months ago. Uh, I, I did this experiment with them, and uh, what, what I did was I, I took two volunteers and I said, two volunteers, and I, and I made sure that they weren't very shy. I wanted them to be really outgoing. And I said, okay, I want you guys to go wait outside the classroom for a minute. And while they're outside, I took the rest of the, the group, and this was three different, three different uh, uh, classes that we did this with, so we tried this experiment three times. Anyway, I tell the rest of the group, I said, hey, I'm the first kid that comes in. I'm going to tell them something to do, and I want you guys to cheer them on I want you guys to say good job keep going and encourage them to do what I'm telling them to do but on the second person do the exact opposite do whatever you can do to get them to not do it besides like jumping on them which they totally would have done if I wouldn't have said anything and so uh, so anyway I'm, I'm like okay here we go here's the first kid so first kid comes up he's, he's a, a boy and I say I say okay And he comes in, he has no idea what's going on. I said, okay, in this this, uh, example, I'm God and you just do everything I say. It's like Simon says, but God says, right? And so you just do everything I say. Trust me, I'm not going to tell you to do anything that's going to hurt you or do anything that's wrong because I'm representing God and I want to represent him accurately. And the kid's like, yeah, not a problem. Okay. And I said, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to walk around the room three times around all the chairs and and then sit down when you're done okay and so he starts and then he gets a few steps in the crowd's just like yeah go you can do it keep going and he's just got a big smile on his face and he's walking a little bit faster now and he gets his three laps in sits down everyone's cheering for him and uh and they're like okay good job guys way to go and then we called in the second person and it was it was this girl and she's, she's really talkative, she's very social, and, uh, and I said, okay, so, told her the same thing. In this example, I'm God, I want you to do exactly what I say, and, I, and everything that I say is for your benefit, I'm not going to do anything that hurts you, same message, right? No variable difference except for the crowd of kids, that's how you do a scientific experiment. So, uh, so I said, okay, um, what I'm going to tell you to do is I want you to do three laps around the, the classroom. Uh, just go around the chairs. Just walk and then sit down when you're done. And she goes, okay, yeah. And I'm, she's like, this is this is easy. She takes a step and everyone's like, wait, stop! And she goes, and starts looking looking at me, like like like, do you want me to stop? And I'm like, what are you looking at me for? Go, come on. And uh, and and she seriously stops, looks at the crowd everyone telling her not to go. She takes another step and they're like don't do it. It's a trap. You, you trust me. You don't want to go. Like they're, They've convinced this girl. Anyway, all three services, all three kids, I couldn't get them to go one lap around the classroom, even though I, was, I would encourage them, hey, this is God talking. Do it. I promise you it's not a trap. I promise you you'll be safe. Didn't matter. The crowd was more influential than I, w- I was that I could be. And, uh, and so all of a sudden, like, that, I didn't know how that experiment was going to go until, until we did it. And it went way better than I thought it went, was going to. And it was such a good teaching moment for them because they're like, man, peer pressure is a real deal. Peer pressure is the, is the real, real thing. And to think that we are not um, moved or think that we're not influenced by those around us, is a naive thought, right? You know, there, there's lots of scriptures on this subject that talk about this throughout scripture as far as those who are influencing us, who they who should they be, who should they not be. There's this there is this lie out there that says you can be around anybody you want to be, and you'll be fine you, that 's not going to have any effect on you and there's those people who are like no i'm I'm super independent. you can't tell me what to do i don't get i don't, I've had the same haircut since nineteen sixty five and maybe that's true, but there's still the the matter of you we are all influenced by our surroundings, by those who are on the outside of us, and the question then becomes. Who are those people? You know, as a society, we've seen like a, a downgrade in our mor- morality. And, and so that has actually infiltrated much of the church world as well. Where, where, you know, it used to be 20 years ago, you'd talk about things that uh, were not controversial at the time. You could talk about sexuality. And everyone in the church would be like, amen, preach it, pastor. You bring that up today and what happens? You get shouted down, and, and why is that? Well, there's this culture of our society that has pressured the church into a certain way of thinking, into certain behaviors, into certain way of thinking things. It's it's ex- and here's the here's the reality: God created us to be influenced by others. He created us this way. It's not like it's a flaw in us. It's actually a design. It's actually a design that God created in us. Why? Well, one of the main reasons is so when we start hanging out with our Father, we become a lot more like Him. Just by close proximity, just by talking with Him, we start getting His thoughts. We start talking like Him. We start acting like Him. What seems possible all of a sudden changes because all of a sudden anything's possible. Well, we could just do anything. Why why do we think that? Well, because I'm around God and for Him... It's that way, and he's rubbing off on me all the time. But also, since we're designed that way, there's some clear instructions on who do we hang out with, what do we do, where do, wh- who are we supposed to associate with, who who are our close friends, who are the ones that we're to marry, who are the ones that we're to spend a lifetime with, and so all those things are wrapped around this subject of of influence because whether we like it or not, influence is happening. Th- we're being changed, we're thinking differently, we're talking differently based on those who are influencing us. Amen? Amen. So turn with me real quick to 2 Corinthians. We're actually just a couple chapters before where Pastor Bill was this morning. 2 Corinthians 6, and we're going to start in verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Uh, says this, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It just kind of comes out and says it pretty matter of fact here. I like this verse because it's it's not a lot of guessing on what he's trying to say. Unequally yoked, that's you know we don't use that term a lot in our culture now. It has nothing to do with eggs if you're wondering. Um it has to do with back then, you know farming, you know there were farming communities And most farming was done by animals, like plows and things, and oxen were were the primary animal. And what they would do is they'd have these yokes, and they're basically these big pieces of wood that had straps to them, and it would lock two ox together. And so they would be able to do and work together, and they'd be able to do a lot more uh, work than one by itself, if they were working together and yoked together. And so... This unequally yoked is talking about, hey, don't strap yourself to an unbeliever. Don't tie yourself down. Don't become close to an unbeliever. Why? Because the work that you are to do or the things that you're supposed to do as a believer are one way, and they're going to be heading the opposite direction. So it's not going to work. Let's keep reading. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? These are all rhetorical questions. These, obviously, we know the answer to these. It's not like Paul was wondering, right? And what accord, verse 15, what accord has Christ with Belial? That's another name for, for Satan. Obviously, there's none, right? He's not, they're not brothers or anything like that either. <laughs> uh, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And the obvious answer is, there is none, right? There is no, there should be no connection. Now, I can already hear the rebuttals. I can already hear the thoughts of, wait, 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 what about, what about? And uh, I'm going to address some of those real fast. Um, For example, there's the argument, well, Jesus hung out with all the sinners in his day, right? Okay. And what about the rebuttal? Well, how are we supposed to win the lost? if we're just a little social club of believers and we never mingle with the world great questions and and in fact the, the the first comment is true Jesus did hang out with the sinners but how that practically plays out and how that looked for Jesus i think is a lot different than how most believers put that into practice and the if you if you notice the the sinners that he would hang out with, if you guys remember Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus, come down from the tree, I'm going to your house, and I'm having dinner with you tonight. And uh, now I get to say that to anybody I want to, because Jesus did it and then follow following his footsteps. So I get to invite myself over. Like the ushers, they have like barbecue, like, I don't know if it's every Sunday, but they are this Sunday. I'm like, I'm having dinner with the ushers today. <laughs> so, but when he had dinner with them, what would be the end result? What would be the, the 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 outcome of that? Was was it just because Jesus wanted to make a friend? Or or was he mission-minded? And see, he was, and that's what we need to be. If we're mission-minded, if there's a purpose to what we're doing, if there's a if there's, hey, this person, do you, do you know was probably the reality with Zacchaeus? He probably saw in Zacchaeus a need. Like God wanted to do something for Zacchaeus. God wanted to show up for Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus, I'm having dinner at your house. And God's going to talk to you. He's going to meet with you. You're going to be changed. Or you're going to reject him and go another direction. And that will be a split, splitting point. See, those that Jesus sought and, and communed with, they either repented and started following him. Or they left him. And there was now no communion with him. Jesus didn't just go hang out with a bunch of unbelievers and make best friends with a bunch of unbelievers to have a friend, to get involved with what they do. You know, you, you never see Jesus doing the behaviors of the sinners. He never got into their, their stuff. They would have to change and, and be molded into him. And if they didn't, well, Jesus kept going. Jesus kept walking. And that's, that's the idea that we have as believers. We have to recognize those relationships that we're supposed to have, those relationships that are hindering us, that would cause us to be influenced in a negative way. You remember um, Jesus, he told us to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the fields. Basically what he was saying was, he wanted us to pray that believers would be sent to unbelievers so that they could be saved. That was the purpose, right? Um, so, so th- we want to keep that in our minds. Uh, that could be me answering a prayer of someone else at th- when we re- run into an unbeliever. So we're not shunning unbelievers. We're not we're not telling them to take a hike or or to say I can't hang out with you because you're this, but we're also not becoming super buddy buddy with them either. Why? because they could, ha- they could influence me in a way that I'm not supposed to be. And, you know, just how God would pray, have us pray for believers to be sent to change an unbeliever, you know, the enemy, he's a, he's a counterfeiter. He's a, he's a mocker. He, he mimics. He mimics things. So in the kingdom of darkness, there exists this attack of the enemy that he would mimic something like that, to where he would want to send an unbeliever. He'd want to send someone who's following after what he wants across the path of a believer to with, with the mission of getting them off of their path, with the mission of getting them out of the direction that they're headed to steer them another way. Why? Well, because then God doesn't get glory, because then... Um, they become ineffective in their ministry because they become all of a sudden um, dead in in, as far as what they're doing. And so there's this, there's this um, path that we're all on and it's called the straight and narrow, right? You guys remember that straight and narrow, the way to salvation. And even though it's straight and narrow, if you look at like a map where Jesus went, it wasn't very straight. Like it went all over the place all the time. And so, and sometimes he'd get called and he'd be like, Jesus, we need you over here. There's someone that's dying over here. And, and he would be led by compassion to go, to go minister to them. And so that's not meaning that we're so rigid that we can't, you know, keep an eye on, on who we're called to go see, but he went around and everywhere he went was exactly where God wanted him to go. And he did the perfect will of God, but uh, do i want to I want to give an example where's uh Where's Pastor Joe? Is he in here yet? He left me hanging he did this to me first service too he's like he he just likes to be fashionably late i think is, I think is what he does anyway, he'll be up here in a sec i'm sure I'm sure he's getting the peer pressure. He's feeling it from the room right now anyway, I'm going to give an example of kind of what does this look like? What does it look like? To, to um, have some interaction or have relationships with those in the world and and then what, what sh- how should we uh, what how, where's the line? Do we cross it here? Do we not cross it there? And so when he gets around we 'll do that we 'll skip ahead until until he does because i 'm sure he 's around somewhere anyway I, 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 I put this on him. Um, right before first service, like ten minutes before, I'm like, "Hey, let's do this." It's like, "All right, sounds good." There he is. Come on up, Pastor Joe. So, in this example, <laughs> I, you did it again, uh, Pastor Joe. He's a, he's a heathen. <laughs> it's fitting, right? Anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, so he's he's someone that's an unbeliever. I'm a believer, and I'm on this path of, and this path is called the will of God. I want to do the will of my Father, and wherever I go is where I want it. it, it want, I want it to be in the will of God. Right? That's that should be our desire. And so as we're walking down this path, the Lord's going to send us individuals that are unbelievers. We remember because we prayed, and people are praying that that we would be sent across their path. So what am I supposed to do when I get here? I'm, I'm trying. My, my, my goal is to, let's do life together. Let's go this way. But if he's not willing, if the unbeliever's like rejecting the way that I'm going, rejecting the life that I've chose to live, and he wants to go this way, what's more important, this relationship or me doing the will of God. Which what what has what are we gonna answer to more? Is this more important or is this more important? And the reality is this is. This is why you see people leaving Jesus in droves a lot of times in scripture and him being like turning to his disciples and saying, Are you gonna leave me too? Notice, you know, we, we sing he leave the ninety nine, right? Well, he will to go find that lost one. But if that lost one doesn't want to be found and, and doesn't want anything to do with the shepherd, he's going to leave him there. He's not going to force someone. And so our, the end result is what we want is we want to walk the will of God together. And we'll have a lasting lifetime of friendship. And, and there'll be so much, so much joy in that friendship. Everybody give Pastor Joe a round of applause. Good job. Thank you, sir. Third service. You got one more. Three, third time's the charm. <laughs> so, uh, Jesus, he kind of, he, this was real to him, and he took this to, the, to really an extreme, which, which is um, something that we see in Scripture, where you're like, wow, that's, you, you really think this way about things? If you look in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 12. We'll start in verse 46. I'm going to read 46 through 50 here. This is Jesus um, says this. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside, seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? come on, Jesus, you got to be philosophical all the time. You got to just, can't just say, okay, here we go. But no, he's like, hey, look, a teaching moment. And so he said, who are my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. See, Jesus, he looked at, the spiritual bonds that form when we are on the path of doing what God wants us to do, when we link up, when we become yoked with someone and we're heading to do the will of God, he looked at that as stronger than blood, stronger than family, than natural family. He actually said, this is a more important, I actually consider them closer, I consider them more family, Than the blood relatives that are standing over there. And and see, this was a big deal for these people because it was a very family-oriented culture, very similar to how we are, that we're we or we should be. And and notice Jesus isn't talking about children. He's not talking about wives. He's talking about extended family. But he's saying if if your family is going to go do something that's against the will of God, don't participate separate yourself from those who are who are not doing what they're supposed to do that doesn't mean that we don't love them that doesn't mean that we shun them that doesn't mean that we that we don't still pray for them or that we never see them you know anybody have any relatives that are like total heathens and they're like way down the wrong path and i'm sure every single one of us do right and so what 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 do we do with that well we're not hanging out every week. I might see you at certain holidays, and I might spend time with you every once in a while, and, and when we do, I'm, I'm looking for ways to get God in the conversation. I'm looking for ways to, to, to minister to someone. To, to Why? Not just so I could get them to follow me, but because it'll change their life for so much better. It'll, it'll help them out so much when they have a connection with God themselves. And so that's, that's the way it looks. That's how we start, um, even with family. Just because your mom wants to call and chat every, single other, every other night and talk your ear off for an hour and complain about this and complain about that. And, and I know there's some people in here that are like, yeah, how does he know my mom? Uh, <laughs> and my mom's great, by the way, so this doesn't apply to me, but... Um, if there's someone that that's like that, well, I'm not going to just sit here and talk with you, over and over and over, and be influenced. Even though we don't think we're being influenced, we are. Even though there's all these these thoughts that are coming in for some reason, we thinking we're thinking they're not affecting us, but they are. And so we have to have basically there's there's um, borders and there's lines that we say, hey, when. When this person is deciding to do these things i 'm just not going to be there around that i 'm just not going to associate myself with that and the reality is so many believers are caught where they 're associating with a bunch of relatives associating with a bunch of friends and family that are doing something that they 're not supposed to be they 're talking like they 're not supposed to be but they 're heathens that 's the way they 're going to do that 's the way they 're going to be we shouldn 't expect anything more, but our goal isn 't to to have a mission there. Our goal isn't um, we need to bring the love of God to them. And so we need, to, we need to change our mission. We need to change how we look at those relationships. We need to say, you know what? When I'm hanging around my family, I'm looking for ways to insert God. I'm looking for ways to be the example of who Christ is. And, and in that moment, we'll start seeing changes or we'll start seeing rejection. And that just tells us where, where they're deciding to go, and, and then also tells us how, how close we allow ourselves to be with them. Because we are not called to be yoked to unbelievers. Amen? So, um, you know, there's, the, I had this dream the, the other night, or no, I'm sorry, I, I, this wasn't a dream. I actually got woke up. I got woke up at about 2 in the morning, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I was mid conversation with the lord i was I was talking with him, my subconscious and, and if you didn't know this, your subconscious has access to God, and you know if anyone asks how how long do you pray eight hours every night all night baby and <laughs> anyway, I was mid conversation with the Lord, and he starts and I wake up to this conversation and he's telling me that he needs me and i and i I'm like well i that's wrong. Like, you don't need me. Like, I've heard so many things of why God doesn't need me. He wants me, but he doesn't need me. There's Christian radio songs that talk about that. And uh, and anyway, he starts telling me um, that he needs me, and I start saying, well, "No, you don't. You don't need me." That's and I start arguing with God, which is always a good idea. <laughs> and all of a sudden, his his response to me is overwhelmingly I get like a hundred thoughts in my head at once on reasons why he 's right and i 'm wrong, most of them involving scriptures that he brought back to my remembrance and it was like he when he answered it was like a shotgun, boom, and all of a sudden it was like okay i 'm wrong you 're right you need me okay and, and one of those one of those the, one of the main points he was making with and, and by the way um, he would say that to any believer. He would say that to any person. It wasn't like I'm, I, he doesn't favor someone over another person. He needs all believers because, and this was his main point, was how silly is it to say, oh, I don't need certain parts of my body. Oh, I don't need my fingers. I don't need this. No, you do if you want to function. You do if you want to do what you're supposed to do in life. You need your whole body. You need everything working together and operating as one, so God does need us. And so anyway, he he's sharing these things, and all of a sudden I'm like, wow, this this is this is revolutionary. I got woke up at two o'clock in the morning to be corrected by God, <laughs> like, and, and literally my 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 thought changed. And I'm like, okay, hey God, you're right, I'm wrong. You you do need believers. And, and the reality is he does need you he doesn't need you to feel satisfied or he doesn't need you to for you know to worship him because he's so egotistical. He needs you because there's some people around you that are hurting, and you're the answer to to their prayers. He needs you because you're the body of Christ, and without the body fully functioning together, the church kind of looks like. The American Church, right? Like the American Church, for the most part, is not functioning the way it should. And is that God's fault? No, it, it's not like God's like, yeah, I'm making all this chaos and all this, un, you know, division and all these different, um, you know, sects of the of the uh, Christian religion and denominations. No, that's us. That's believers that are saying, I'm not going to cooperate with this part of the body. I'm not going to link to this part. And so if if it's going to come together and we're going to function like we're supposed to, who's going to do that? We are. That's right. It's going to be us saying, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to step up and play the role that I'm supposed to play in. And part of that is connections to other believers we have to be in close proximity to one another. If, I have, if, if my finger isn't attached to my hand and I need to pick something up, my finger doesn't work. My, I'm not picking anything up if I have no fingers attached to my hand. They have to be in close proximity. They have to be connected. Uh, turn real quick to Ephesians 4. We'll close with this. Ephesians 4, verse 15 and 16. This is Paul talking about the fivefold ministry gifts, the different places that he's put in the body, the different fivefold ministries. Um, Verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. 16. From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So look at that. Look at those words, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Everyone say, I have a supply. supply. And there's someone else that needs your supply, and the person that you're joined and knit to needs that. Just like you need to get what's from them. Think about the body. And there's like this supply chain that he wants to get to his church. But if there's a break in the link, there's people that are not getting what they're supposed to get. Why? Because believers are either not there, they're disconnected, or they're just inactive. And they're not doing anything. And so there's this reality that exists where there's people that are hurting... There's people that are going to hell. Why? Well, because believers are either inactive or they're disconnected from the body. They're not together. There's no close proximity with one another. And this happens all the time. And we see this throughout the, the entire church world where there's this disconnect. And, you know, have you ever, have you ever injured something, like injured, injured like your leg, and then um, you're favoring that leg? and then all of a sudden your other leg gets injured because it's compensating for the injury. Well, there are believers who are doing the will of God, who are, who are out there doing the work, and they're getting injured because the workload they're bearing for both legs because the other leg's not doing what it's supposed to do. And so that's the reality of what, where the church is at. Now, how do we fix this? Well, we get in close proximity to one another. And when we're in close proximity and we're joined and we're knit together, then the Lord has joints that he can move supplies through. And, you know, it's really hard to be unified with believers if we're also unified with unbelievers at the same time. You can't have both. You can't have really close, amazing relationships with other believers. And at the same time, have those relationships outside of the church meaning not not this church meaning believers right meaning those who are going the opposite direction of you it's going to be impossible for you to, to to maintain the right relationships and you're going to be influenced in a negative way to where it's going to be brutal for you and so what we want to do we need to ask ourselves who am i joined to who am i knitted with and, and then if you, if you recognize there's some opportunities for change, no one can make that change except for us. We're, we're, we're the Lord of our friends, meaning we're going to make those decisions on who our friends are. No one's making those decisions for us. Amen? Amen. So, you know, there's the, the question, who, who then am I, am I connected with? And we give plenty of opportunity. To, to make those connections. Life groups, we're doing a big fall sign-up pretty soon in the next couple weeks. Join some life groups. You know, I have a life group. We did a, a sign-up back in, in the beginning of summer. I had over 60 people sign up. That's not a small group. That's a church. And, uh, and, and, you know, like less than 20 people are consistently going. And that just tells me there's a big majority of people who are just out there they're appendages. They're parts of the body that have a function, and they're just not even connected. They're not even doing what they're called to do. They're not even being that supply that, that their people are needing. And, you know, there's also 301 today. It starts in half an hour at 1 o'clock, or 12.50 in 20 minutes, sorry. starts at 12.50, 301. What is that? That's that's get involved in ministry. Get involved in doing the work of God. You guys know that, that Jesus... His disciples were able to form all these great connections because they did ministry together. Because they were ministering side by side and that's how they got discipled. They didn't get discipled sitting around a campfire and talking. They started learning. They started becoming followers of Jesus when they stood next to Jesus and saw him raise someone from the dead. And then Jesus turns to them and says, this is you now, you do that too. And so when you're doing ministry together, that's when things happen, and that's what life groups are for. That's what our ministry teams are for. So get plugged in, do get a part of the body. It is it is not really an option. It is who you are. It's what you're made for, and it it literally will make the difference in someone else's life. You will be a part of life's lives being changed forever and ever, and you'll get thanked in heaven. There will be individuals coming to you, hey when you did this, when you said this, when that helped this, or that led me to do this. I'm excited to see all those faces. But there are believers who will get to heaven and they won't have very many people coming up and talking to them. They'll be in heaven. They'll have a good time. But man, they they will have missed out on being part of the body and doing things that really make a difference. Doing things that really change lives. Amen? Amen. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you are leading us into unity.